Guess what? I need my Bible. Don't worry. Oh, it's not there. It's back here. How many of you guys have every, we're glad to have you, we're glad to have those at home or wherever you're at, please watch the road, we've already experienced that this morning. Okay, um, how many of you guys have ever had things exactly the way, you, I mean you had it all planned out, seriously, and then one thing would happen and you'd think, oh, well, that's not going to work so good, so I'm going to do it this way. So then you have your alternate plan, right? And then somebody takes the salad bowl and slings it out the window. And you say, well, that ain't going to work. I guess we're going to eat tuna fish. I mean, seriously, guys, that's where this day has been. I could go into detail, but I'm not going going to tell you all the details, but I'll tell you this detail. I... uh, Every February, I start getting motorcycle fever because there'll be a couple of nice days. And I was going to ride this morning, and I'm sitting there, and it said, rain and snow. I'm like, okay, well, that's out the window. Forget that. Okay. So then I get a phone call, and uh, my the gift that God has given me, my wife, has uh, car trouble. And I have to leave there and go take care of that anyway. So it's been a morning, but that's okay. Everybody's doing good this morning. How many of you know it's good that we are in God's hands? Amen. Even though we're not riding motorcycles and we don't have a spare tire in the EcoSport. Okay. So we are in Matthew 14 and 35. And these guys have crossed over. Remember last week we had Peter. Peter has said, if that's you, Jesus, let me come out there. And he walks out there and starts sinking. How many of you guys have ever gone out on your own and started sinking? The minute we get our eyes off Jesus, what happens? I don't know what happens to you, but I start sinking. So that's all happened. And he gets in the boat and says these words. Oh, little faith, why did you doubt? And then he steps into the boat and the wind stops. Okay, so now we're at 34. And they, what did it? It brought glory to God. How many things that all things are working together for the good of them are called according to his purpose? And we will, we win. God wins, by the way. Amen. I've read the end of it. Then when those were in the boat, came and worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. I hope you come to that. I hope you have come to that place in your life before now. But if you haven't, today's a great day to do that. So verse 34 says, then they crossed over to the land of Genesaret. Now I may be saying that wrong, but what that means is when you look up that word and when you look at that place during that time is a well-watered paradise. It's a great place. A lot of people have described the Ozarks, this portion of the Ozarks, this Southwest Missouri, North Arkansas, they've described this like this. We're in like a bubble. For years we had an economic bubble we had all this going on. It was just a well-watered, I mean, everybody's working. It's just a well-watered paradise. You follow me? Yes. 
Okay, but that's the first thing it says. And that says, when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out to all in the surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick. The name of this sermon is Trouble in Paradise. Guys, I want to tell you that there's people preaching all over the world this morning or go all over in our time zone and they're preaching this morning and they are going to come in and some of those people are going to say these things and I'm not putting them down. I mean, there's, it's a big book. Have you see, this is a big book. Okay. But this would be a great time to say the problem is and fill in whatever I want you to do to use you to, to, to direct your behavior. But instead of that, I want you, let's look at the word of God and see what happens. And these men in verse 36 begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. As it was touched, they were made a little better. Is that what it says? They were made, they felt better about the situation. No. no. What does it say? They were made perfectly, which that word in context means completely. Be ye perfect as I was, and perfect means be you completely mature and finished as I am. I mean, when you look at that word, it doesn't mean that you're never going to make a problem. Has anybody ever messed anything up? I've done it today. It's early. Well, it's not that early, but it's it's early and I've already messed it up. So here's what happened. There's three words I want to talk about real quickly that's happening in this portion of scripture. Okay. There's a little weird chapter. Okay. If you go back before Matthew, there's my friend Malachi. Go to Malachi 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, and neither one will root nor branch. But you, but you who fear my name, say, that's me. That's me. Say it out loud, you don't believe it. This, for those of you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Guess what? Guess what that word is? The same word translated in the New Testament that says the edge of his garment. It's the same word. And that edge of his garment, he was, they were directed to do that, to put that, to remind them of the written words of Moses. And you're going, you, you go, you guys better put your seatbelt on, okay? Because we're fixing to speed up. We're fixing to get on the highway. So watch. That was written blue thread at the edges to remind them of the covenant, to remind them of the, the commandments. 
all the, to remind them of that. And Jesus came, John 1 and 1, and said, the commandments, the word became flesh. Think about it. So you've got Malachi saying someday the son of righteousness is going to rise and the edge of him is going to heal you. It's going to bring you to where you need to go. That covenant is going to do it. So Malachi is saying it. The picture all the way back through Moses, the picture after picture, we don't have time to get into it. But the bottom line is this, guys. Literally, this these people who touch the reminder, the person of the covenant are made whole. And the world, the trouble in this paradise that we're in, in the Ozarks, in the United States, in North America, in the world, the trouble is that we are not whole. We are incomplete because a person outside of the covenant of God is going to struggle. They're going to look for something to feel fulfilled, look for something to fulfill. And you say, well, yeah, Bruce, I know people who proclaim Christianity and they, they get into this. That, that. How many of you know we're all failures and, and we make missteps and, and, that's, and God's never had, you've heard me say this many times, God's never had much to work with. And, and I mean, just read the Bible. Okay. I'll, I'll read about some of my heroes in the Bible and I'll go, literally, now this is back when I was 14, 13, I'd go, you did what? And you're a man after God's own heart? What? Huh? We always try to, like mama said, make it pretty, but you just can't make something, you just can't make something that pretty. But guys, this trouble in paradise will not be fixed by behavior. It will be fixed by a man who was God in the flesh. And that man has paid the price for your sin. And that man who was 100% God, don't get me wrong, 100% God, 100% man. That, Bruce, that's 200%. I know. Okay. And, but math are hard. Okay. I say that at least once a day. But guys, so is English. But watch this. Literally, as we accept, believe, receive the covenant that we're under, what happens first is what happened in that boat. And guys, I want to tell you, if you're in the fellowship, that's what I call the bride of Christ, we're all in the fellowship, okay? And we're supposed to be getting along, and there's people that are saying, you need to do that! And there's other, you need to do that! And there's a bunch of fighting sailors. This is Max Lucado's picture. So is that the picture of the fellowship that we're all just really getting along? That's why we're the most unified, diverse divided, fighting, fussing, you know, and, and we wonder why I said, people, why don't people want to join the church? Because you fuss all the time about something. That cover, we shouldn't have got that carpet, praise God. Blue is a covered royalty. Anyway, you got me. So, but in the middle of that, 
He steps back in the boat. The first thing that happens, watch this. Peace that passes all understanding. And guys, I want to tell you, this is something, this is not something that I don't know about. You know, the way you know about something is you, I mean, I read it, I believe it, but then I experience it. I've walked in the room of people who are fighting cancer, fighting cancer. And my life is, I'm mad. I'm mad because my parking place, I'm mad, what, whatever. Somebody said something that, I, whatever, somebody, you know, whatever. I'm just being my, my ignorant self. And I walk in there and I go there to minister to them because, you know, I'm so spiritual. And all of a sudden, I recognize they have laid all that down and they have peace. And I'm the one in turmoil. And what happens is, I get in the boat with them that I'll never forget. In Balakashir, Turkey, standing on the hill, looking out over the, the hills. And I'm like, God, what about this? What about this? Oh God, what about this? And literally, this is the truth that came to me, watch. You have not one more breath, Bruce, that I don't give you. You have not one more heartbeat it is outside of my will. I will live, I will not die. I will live every day he wants me to live. And I wanna do every, what he wants me to do on that day. And I may mess it up. I'll just be, let's just be full disclosure, okay? But the truth is, as we can be in peace because he is in the fellowship. Get in the fellowship and you say, well, Bruce, what are you talking about? Receive him. Get in the boat because the guy in the boat knows where we're going. So, anyway. This fringe thing wore me out, and you can, as you can see. But then, so people are getting healed. And we're going to hit this pretty hard, guys. So, people are getting healed. Glory to God, even those who touch his garment are made perfectly well, then you get to 15. And here we go. Guess what? There's powers, principalities operating all the time. Fallen angels, they, they, they hold on to places in the world. This is my area, this is my area. But one of them is this dirty demon called religion. And I want to tell you, I saw a play one time about the religious demons and how they were coming to attack. And you know what they were dressed like? You think they'd be, right? No, they were dressed, they're dressed, they had a nice hat, they're dressed in, they have nothing against hats by the way. But they're, they're, I mean, literally, they're, they're dressed up and they're, they're, you know, they're all talking. But then they, when they talk, they talk like this. But anyway, but the point is, is we always think of something else. But what's this? Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, now watch this. I want to put this in context and I get a little excited when I talk about it. I'll try to be nice. 
I really will. I'll try to be nice. So people who have suffered their whole life are being touched and getting healed. That's what's going on right now. While this is, this is the context, then they show up. People, things, people are getting better. Things are being loved. People are being loved. They're coming to Jesus, blah, blah, blah. And this is what they're worried about. Now think about this. Put this into the context of our lives. Why does your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. They're not washing their hands right. Is that what it says? Makes me want to throw something. But I'm going to be nice while y'all watching. I'm dead serious. It makes me furious. Because I want to tell you something. People come to me all the time and say, Well, you know, that, I can't believe that church over there. And I was having a conversation. And guys, I want to tell you. Anybody who's proclaiming Jesus, I ain't saying nothing better though. I'm not going to say nothing better. Well, they don't do this right. Well, we probably don't either. They don't do this right. They, I can tell you this. Some of them do things, some things a lot better than I do. Some of them do things better than you do. Some of them are bigger, littler, smaller, you know. But here's the deal. What's the fruit? Are they proclaiming Jesus? Are people coming to him? Are people being changed? And I want to tell you something. There, is, there are people right now going out with their cameras and doing some stupid stuff. But there are some people doing some good stuff. I literally stumbled by accident, or there, there is no accident, across this thing. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to say it's good or bad. But this guy is interviewing street people on the West Coast. And says, what's your story? How'd you get here? What's going on? And I watched three or four of those things, guys, and I just want to tell you, because I love the Lord, and I know he loves people, it slapped me right upside the face. It, cru it, okay, it didn't crush me, but it, it, it slapped me, because I thought, you know what? How many times do I drive by and say, well, you know what, if they get off the dope, if they get off of this, if they do that, if they do this, I want to tell you something, guys. There's not one of those people that God doesn't love. Amen. And these people, some of them looked like animals. And, and listen, I'm not making fun. I'm not, this is not a joke. I'm talking about they were living like animals. Their little faces were so dirty. Their little hands were so dirty. And I'm saying, God, I'm so sorry. And here's the deal, guys. These religious, this religious spirit that these guys were operating in, these people had rather, they're worried about how you're washing your hands. They're worried about whether you speak in tongues or not. They're worried about whether you don't speak in tongues or not. They're worried about whether you do this, you give 10%, 11%, 8%, 7%. I'm going to tell you something. It's time for us to start loving one another. Because that's the prayer that Jesus prayed that's never been answered. Jesus prayed a bunch of prayers while he's here. You see all these people getting healed? Did they get healed? Completely, it says. 
But he prayed before he went to the Father. He said, Lord, let my children love one another so that the world will know that I came from you. Paul says, anything you're doing, the basis of it is not love. You're just taking it away. I mean, it's nothing. And here's the deal, guys. We could do a lot of religious stuff. And these, I bet these guys' hands were clean. They might even have manicures. I don't know. I've never had a manicure or a woman cure. But anyway, he answered and said to them, why do you all transgress the commandments of God because of your tradition? Now watch this. Jesus is answering in red. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses his father and mother, let them be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me has been dedicated to the temple. Is this release from honoring his father and mother? That you've made the commandment that God, the commandment of God by no effect. And there is this verse seven has this word that I hate. I hate this word, and I'm not kidding. It's a word that I've heard my whole life. Hypocrites. What did Isaiah prophesy about you saying? The people draw near, near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. In other words, taking what they think and making it. That's why I'm so careful to come in here and say, well, you better not do that. You better not do that. Listen, I, what I'm not careful of saying is follow Jesus. I can, you wake me up in the middle of the night. I can tell you what the answer is. I'm not saying that to be, please don't wake me up unless you need to. But the point is, I can tell you the answer. The answer is to follow him, isn't it? Yes. And to stay close enough that the his wings of his prayer shawl with the blue thread will touch you and you can be made whole. You can be made complete in him. And that, listen, I love Okay, I'm not going to use that example. Let's put it a different way. Everybody who comes to my house, you're not invited, by the way. Um, <laughs> anybody who comes to my house, and let's say I'm eating chili, because, you know, I have award-winning chili that I make occasionally, and it will burn the hair right out of your nose, okay? But Carrie's chili is excellent also, and Irene likes your chili better. Okay, I know. Whatever. But the point being, I'm not jealous, but, but here's the deal. Guys, literally, if you come there, get your bowl. But if you call me from your house and you say, hey, and you're, and if, not if you're sick or something, but if you're, you're at your house and you say, you know, I've been wanting to come out chilly, would you just bowl me up some brain over here? I'm probably going to say, oh, I'm busy right now. Or my famous words to the kids, we'll pray about that, which means no. That's a different way to say no. But guys, literally, watch this. You come in my house? Yeah. Get the, get the last bowl. We'll make some more. Whatever. Because the people who are closest to me get the stuff that's around me. Does that make sense? And listen, as I was studying this, I was thinking, man... Let's say there was a guy that was the biggest redneck, been looking at his neighbor's uh, wife's uh, ankles, because that was all they actually showed back in those days, and said, ooh, look at them ankles, you know? But, I mean, and he, but he's sick, and he shows up, and he's close to Jesus. Guess what happens? He's made whole. 
and you go, I don't like that preaching. I don't care. Merry Christmas. So what's this? Literally, he says, stop doing this. Don't teach your doctrine as doctrine of God. And he called them up to it and said to them, hear and understand. Now, watch this. We'll look at this another time. But not what goes into the mouth defies a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defies a man. And he said, you know that this made the Pharisees mad in the next verse. You know this makes the Pharisees mad. And he said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. One more picture. One more picture of how God's grace and God's provision will win. He said, look, if it's not on me, it's going to be pulled up. Is that what that says? And these guys, and here's the deal. We've got to be very careful with generational. This church is 124 years old now, almost. And uh, I was the original pastor. But uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't. I might have been the second one. But anyway, but the point being is this, guys. What's this? We have to be very careful that I don't, you know, because Brother Bruce did it that way. You know, you got to have three songs, communion. Uh, you know, you know the way we... The reason we do it this way is because it works. And most of y'all stay to the end, okay? And then we, that's why I have that small meal in between to hold you over. But anyway, that's a joke. But anyway, but the point is this, guys. Watch this. Lady got married. She went home with her husband. She said, what do you really like? He says, I like roast beef. Which I could say honestly. It's true. And... She said, okay. So she goes and buys a roast. She brings it home. She lays it on the counter. She cuts both ends of it off. She puts one, the middle in a pan, one pan and puts the two ends in another pan, seasons it, puts a little bit of water in there, puts it in there at 400 and cooks it, pulls it out. And the husband comes in and he smells it. He's like, baby. Oh, he tastes it. He's like, this is good. Oh, thank you. And he's eating it. He's got some taters and, to go with it. And he looks over at the other one. He goes over and picks it up. He said, oh, he gets the, the two ends out. He's, he said, this tastes exactly as that. This is really good. She said, I did it just like my mama did it. And she said, well, hey, great job. So the next day, she's talking to her mom on the phone. She said, Mama, I used the recipe. That, that roast was outrageous. It was good. She said, I did it just like you. She said, well, tell me how you did it. He said, well, I took the roast. I cut both ends off, put it in one pan, put the middle in another pan, seasoned it exactly the same, put them in there at 400, cooked it, and he loved it. And she said, why did, why did you cut the ends off? She said, well, because that's what you always did. And... She said, well, honey, was there room in your pan for both ends? She said, oh, yeah. I got a big pan. I got it at the shower. Y'all gave me that big pan at the shower. She said, well, the reason we did that, honey, is because we had six kids, and there wasn't room for that roast. We had to put the, cut the ends off, and we had to cook it in two pots. There wasn't enough room. There's nothing magic 
about having to cut the ends off. And she said, oh, well, I'll do it that way next time. But we do the same thing in religion. And then the next generation, we don't even have anybody to ask why we did that the last time. Women, y'all be quiet in church. Perfect example. Make sure everybody's only got one wife if you're going to be in leadership. Perfect example. Because people had two or three wives. I've got friends that have ministered places. Guess what? I said, what do you do when they get saved? He said, well, they just all come to church. Merry Christmas. You know, wife number one, uh, wife number two. This is another country, by the way. Don't, don't get mixed up. Okay. Yeah, don't get mixed up. <laughs> but he said, literally, he said, we just deal with what we got. Because that's what we got. <laughs> right? So watch this, guys. Is that is that God's player? Is that a good idea? No. Don't do that. Don't try this at home. That's what they used to say on those K-Tail present things. Don't, don't try this at home. Okay. But here's the deal. Then Peter says to him, explain. Listen. He says, what about this in going in the mouth thing? And he says, watch this. Those things that you eat goes through the, your stomach and it's eliminated. We won't go into all those details. I think y'all can figure that out. But verse 18 says, 15, 18, but those things proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, fault witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But it don't have, it doesn't matter if you wash your hands or not. But I encourage you to wash your hands, please. Especially if you're cooking something for me. Okay. Because, you know, it's all about me. Okay. But here's the deal. We'll, we'll slow this down and we'll come to a stop. The last thing I want to talk about is 21 through 28. Jesus came out from there and departed the region of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan. This is a non-Jewish lady. She is a Gentile. Now, this is one of this is probably one of my favorite stories during this time period of Jesus' ministry. It says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. He answered her not a word. Now, everybody wants to talk about why he didn't say nothing. And I'm going to tell you what I think, and if you don't think that, I don't care. I mean, I really don't care. But this is what I think. I'm going to tell you something. And we talked about it before, that my Jewish friends, they literally believe that prayer is a negotiation process. It's a, you're praying, you're asking, and what it does is it opens the door of relationship. You begin to walk in that covenant and before long, if you keep praying and it keeps not happening, what will happen is you'll understand why it's not happening because you're spending so much time with God, you'll actually understand his heart. But if you if you quit asking the first time, you say, Lord, I need a new car. Would you drop it on me? Wait, I'll move over so it don't hit me in the head. But I mean, it doesn't happen and you never pray about it again. You're not establishing that relationship. Does that make sense? It's not about us talking him into it. It's about the nego it's, it's about that relationship process. So I believe because of the text and the culture that's written in, he just keeps walking. Because, see, sometimes we think we want something. 
But we really don't want it. We just think it'd be convenient to have it. You follow me? But she had a daughter who was demon possessed. And guess what? She was serious about getting it fixed. And she knew, you know what faith is, right? This morning, Randy Redden gave me this cup. Actually, I asked for it. It was in the trunk of his car. I said, you want that? It's almost like giving it to me. Well, it's still his technically, but I guess I'm just drinking out of it for the next 20 or so years. So literally it says faith on the side. That's not why I wanted it. I wanted it because it was insulated. Okay. And it was free. I mean, uh, yeah, what it's free to me. So if you keep the faith, everything is yours. Now, this came from a guy that was a faith guy. Not Rand, Randy. Yeah, okay. I'm one of his friends. So watch this. So, but here's the deal. I got this cup out this morning and there was really, really hot black coffee in my coffee pot. And I had faith that if I poured that in there, it would not come through the bottom on me. Does that make sense? I know it's simple, but that, that's, that's faith. I have, you know, I've done it before. It worked out okay. Unless I get crazy and spill it on myself, I'll be fine, right? Okay. But here's the deal, guys. Sometimes we use the word faith. We do it. But God's like, how bad do you, do you really want this? Or is this just something? And of course, that establishing that relationship with him in prayer, you know, I've experienced that in my life. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. And guess what? The answer was no. But guess what it did? It opened another door. It opened another pathway to me and the Lord. It brought me closer to him. Because see, I'm willing for him to say no. And so watch this. She came to worship him saying, Lord, help me. But he, he, she, the disciples looks at, looks at Jesus and says, would you get rid of her? She's drawing, she keeps hollering. She keeps hollering. She keeps crying out. And, but he answered and said, I was not sent to the lost sheep of the house, except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it out to the little dogs. And some of you think, why would, that is, that's, but see, he's using the vernacular of the day. Gentiles were considered dogs to Jews. But watch this. This is a picture. Jesus never did anything. He wasn't teaching us something or the people that were around him. And he says this, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Now I want you to hear this. Humility is lost in this world. It's all about me. I'll never forget, and I have, uh, if, if you, 
if you know me, you know I've struggled with pride my whole life. I come from a prideful family. I, but watch this, guys. Watch. Literally, I am in prayer one time, and I'm suffering. Crying out to God. Weeping. Squirming. Howling. And this is what I said. This is what come out of my mouth. Lord, look. I've screwed this thing up to the point where I can't do what you've called me to do. But please, at least let me be the gate guard in your kingdom. When I was in the security police in the Air Force, that was the job I never wanted. Because you're standing at the gate, you're waving people in, you're checking stickers, it's boring. <coughs> I, I mean, if you're a guy who likes excitement, that's not, that's not the position that you like, okay? I said, Lord, just let me be a doorkeeper in your house. That's humility, and that comes from failing and being broken. It's, it comes over and over, and, and here's the deal. Literally, God said, okay. But then he began to fulfill his purpose in my life because my heart had reached a point he could use it. Does that make sense? Because I can tell you, I don't have all the answers. And I can tell you that, I, you know, Anyway, we'll keep going. But then Jesus answered to her. Oh, that's, what a wonderful thing to say to somebody. Oh, woman, great is your faith. She didn't stop the first time. She didn't stop the second time. She didn't get offended immediately. What she did was, hey, Lord, and she worshiped him. And what happened? Let it be as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Do you think the devil raised up and said, no, you're not. I'm possessing her. Do you know that didn't happen one time? Because God, who's, who is God? God's God. And he ain't. The devil ain't. And guys, watch this. Literally, from his storm, from all the story we've talked about, from arguing with the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Actually, that was the Pharisees. From that, great multitudes came from him, and they were lame, blind, mute, maimed. They laid them at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. And they saw the mute speaking, they made the maimed were made whole, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified once again, the last thing I'm going to say in last week's sermon and this week's sermon, and they glorified God and recognized and recognized who Jesus was. And I'm going to tell you something. I like a bunch of stuff. I like a bunch of stuff. Higher handlebars, ladder pipes, Nice watches. I like a bunch of stuff. But I'm going to tell you what I love. I love the fact that really all I have left to do 
is to magnify him in whatever you're doing. He's calling you to magnify him. And as we do this, seek his kingdom first and all these other things will be added unto you. And I want to tell you something. We glorify you this morning, O God of Israel, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And Lord, there is healing this morning in your wings. At the hem of your garment, the covenant that you made from the foundation of the earth, and we see pictures of it throughout the Bible, Lord. So first, Lord, as we pray together this morning, Lord, we just come to you and say, Lord, have mercy on us. We're, we do not have it all together. We don't have really anything together. But Lord, what we do have is a deep desire and need for a savior. And if that's you, if you're watching online, if you're here in person, just begin to pray to the name Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We need you. And Lord, you make us whole. You make us complete, oh God. Completely by your covenant, by your presence, by your peace, oh God. And guys, thank you so much for watching this morning. Thank you so much for coming to church. God bless you and keep you. Let his light shine on you and give you peace. Thank you so much. And guys, I'm going to have a quick commercial before I get off. Not a joke. In prayer this morning, I prayed about this. And this is not about me. This is not about this church. This is not about anything else. But if you are on Facebook and you uh, could go to Bruce Kim Bean and share this, because I want to see what God can do with this part of what we're doing here at Crank Christian Church. God bless you. Have a great day.